0: Welcome, Carol.
1: Welcome, everyone. Thank welcome. Thank you, Magnus.
0: Really Thank happy. Tell us all what we can expect you. and uh, happy to join this session and look, listen in.
1: Okay. Thank you very much, Magnus. So, good Thank afternoon you. to everyone. This is a huge honor, definitely one of the biggest honors of my life. Uh, I am very, very happy and proud and grateful to welcome on board Colette Brunswick, University of Zurich the professor behind legal design. Know her name. (laughs) I'm very welcome to, uh, I'm very happy to welcome as well Stefania Pacera. Stefania Pacera is also one of first legal designers and incredible work. I'm very happy to welcome on board as well, Astrid Kohlmeier, who's been working with law and design for over the past 15 years as well. And Marie Potel-Seville, founder of Amurabi, who I did have the great honor of meeting in person uh, in Brazil. So happy to have all of you here. Um, this is going to be a very informal chat uh, to let everyone know a bit about their stories, their history, um, their successes, their failures, and eventually what they are willing to share with the audience in an informal and welcoming manner. Uh, just some housekeeping information. We will have the opportunity to bring on board uh, at the end, uh, looking forward to the end of this full hour, uh, potentially three or four participants that would like to be on stage with video and audio on. So if you think you're not well-dressed, or dressed, enough <laughs> for the moment, you do have some minutes uh, for you to you know, prepare yourself to have the honor of sharing the stage with all of them and exchanging some questions uh, further on. So without uh, further ado, I would kindly ask all of you on a round of why, how, and for what reason, purpose. What is your approach to legal design? And what is your story and history concerning legal design, please? Maybe, Colette, could you give us the honor of
2: starting, please? Well, uh, first of all, I'd like to thank you, uh, Carol and Magnus, for organizing this uh, fascinating event. And I'd like to say hello to everybody uh, who is listening and watching me. I unfortunately can't see you, but I assume uh, that this is, a, this is a, okay. Um, uh, I'd like to just shortly introduce me myself before I answer your question, Carol. I'm a senior research associate uh, at the University of Zurich, Department of Law. I'm not a professor, and that has also to do with the subject matter I chose or the area I chose uh, for uh, for specialization. I think I don't know whether there is a, already a professor of legal design uh, in the whole world, but i uh, i um, i would like I would say that I explore legal design. Uh, already uh, uh, for quite uh, 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 quite uh, a long time i started uh, exploring it in 1992 this was the internet age i started working here at the university of zurich because i was um, my one of my assignments is to uh, to um to process and to manage a legal image database and i have to do with um with legal images and um, when i started in 1992 and i'm i'm entering, or I start answering your question, I uh, was quite uh, frustrated with law, uh, the way I had to study it, uh, the way I had to practice it uh, in court, uh, in uh, law uh, offices, and uh, even in in administrative agencies, and I had also studied, I have not completed these studies, history of art. So I had, a. Uh, I I was very much interested in the interface of law and art. And I uh, also uh, was um, interested in copyright law, but I went beyond that, beyond that. and legal design goes beyond the doctrinal legal approach. That is very important to know. We have an interdisciplinary legal approach. I didn't know that in 1992, but I I know that now I can or I I can express that very clearly, if you're interested in legal design, you have to make the difference or distinguish between these two, uh, or two, I would say, scholarly and practical approaches, the doctrinal approach and the interdisciplinary approach. So I'll I'll show you uh, that what inspired me to to visualize legal norms. I'll, I, I'll try. I hope this works. Now uh, to this is screen one. I'd like to share my screen because I prepared something for you. Um, just hold on. Uh, this is this is. Um, the, fact there, uh, the the code of obligations of Switzerland and you see, I was in 1992, that was my world uh, or or uh, that was the world, the verbocentric world uh, that frustrated me and um, when I started here at the legal visualization unit, I saw this the first time or this is a uh, the Oldenburg um, illustrated manuscript of the Saxon Mirror, and as you can see, this is the, the Saxon Mirror is an old league, old law book, legal textbook. And as you can see, uh, there is a, a text on the left side, and on the right side, you have illustrations. These illustrations uh, visualize. The the uh, the legal text on the left. I can't um, go into details, but that was quite the inspiration to to ask the question, the research question, whether it was possible uh, to visualize legal norms. And uh, and uh, I'll, I'll come to an end with my to, um, with my answer uh, to the. First question. I uh, just to, I want to that you see me again. Just hold on. I'll Freigabe um, beenden. I um, I thought the research question was, would it be possible to visualise the modern modern legal norms? And um, so I embarked on this. Uh, cognitive and scholarly journey, and I didn't find anything at all in uh scholarly literature, uh, in, um, in doctrinal legal literature, nor in, in interdisciplinary literature. So where I found something was, um, well, as you can imagine, was the design uh, this in design discourse. This, this was a uh, day. There were giants. The uh, gibonsipe for instance, uh, he has published in Spanish, Portuguese. In Spanish, he's a South American, I think. And Werner uh, K. is German. So I integrated their, or I adopted their insights to. Be to be able to visualize legal norms, and I didn't realize, and that's that's how I'd like to uh, finish my, uh, my answering or stop answering my the first question. I didn't realize that um, I had entered a new field, but be, uh, be, uh, since I had adopted insights of design, I. Um, I, the, the title of my PhD thesis is, is Visualizing Legal Norms, Legal Design, and at that time, I wanted to to have this as a main title, Legal Design, but my, my, my supervisor didn't allow me to do so. He said, that's too, I don't know how you put it, I don't really remember it, but it's too modern, it's too vague, it's too, you can't do that at at the Department of Law,
1: full stop. Thank you, Thank you, Stephanie. You want to tell us a bit about how a designer ended up working with law, please? Can you unmute yourself?
3: Does it work now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. like a. <laughs> a bit of, it wasn't working. So yeah, uh, I'm the I'm the black sheep here. Um, I, I've been for many years because yes, I'm a designer, I'm a visual designer by by background, by formal training. and uh, I think that I ended up where I am now because uh, I'm curious about things. I'm curious about things and I'm I've always been interested. Uh, already in school to to try to use design for things that weren't considered typically designed <laughs> designerly. Uh, I I used to do um, an internship in an advertisement agency, and just after a few few months, I found that all the years I've been spending to to learn how to communicate and visualize, it was put to for such trivial empty purposes that I was trying to say what what could we what else could we use it for so uh, I went to work at the university Uh, I I was hired in a um, in a multidisciplinary research group that was basically researching how to use uh, design technique we would say like design thinking nowadays back then we didn't really have much of the language But basically, how do we make it magically easy to experiment with any sort of idea? So nowadays we would talk about service prototyping. Back then we didn't even have the (laughs) the words about that, but that's basically what we were doing. We were trying to give designerly methods and merge them with strategic thinking and try to come up with methods to uh, to help people be creative and innovate, and be productive, and put their hands on even intangible things, and try to test in a kind of safe, fast, um, learning-driven way uh, what else it could be. And it was in this uh, in this environment that I met uh, another pioneer that I really think is um, it's sorely missing today, Helena Hapio, uh who is an entrepreneur, academic. I don't know, maven, a networker, <laughs> uh, is really an uh, influential person in uh, in legal design. And uh, we just met because my boss said, like, hey, I met a lawyer like n- nobody else, like no other lawyer I've ever met. And she really likes visual communication, so you should talk with her. And uh, Helena was the first person ever I met that's like, I, I actually really love contracts. I really do, and I would like other people to to love them too. And I don't understand why other people don't love them. And so like, well, I do understand. (laughs) Um, And she basically said that she's been working with graphic facilitator, Annika Varionen in her contract training and seeing how pictures uh, would be conductive to learning and engagement and excitement. And so like, my goal is to use this sort of stuff, not in training, but in the actual contract. As a designer, do you think that this is possible to help people understand and engaging with visual means and so on? And I was like, uh, that's called information design. That's what I do. And to my knowledge, I don't know anyone else from my field that has been working on legal information or contracts or anything else like that. But uh, well, let's try to do something together. And that's how it started. Uh, it started because I was curious about doing something that like, oh, I cannot find a single designer who has been doing this sort of thing. So c- can it even be done? So it was that stubbornness of like, I, I want to try to-, to crack this problem and see if it's something wacky, if it's something feasible, what are the limits? So it was part of this design of exploration. So my uh, from there, I went on <laughs> working many other years uh, at the university. So I have a academic background too. I wrote my PhD on uh, how we can use information design, visual means in contracts to foster understanding and uh, clarity and build better relationships. And from there... Uh, Nowadays, I'm mostly a um, solopreneur, but I also hold still one foot in academia because I'm assistant professor at the University of Vas in business law uh, department. So there's a designer in a in a in a law department somewhere in the world. And this has been the, the, the. There are many stories. I think that when you're going to talk about like big failures, I have more juicy stories about this. <laughs> um, Sure. About, like trying to find a way, and not only in, uh, in business, but also in academia. I mean, what uh, Colette and I and other people have been trying to do has been a hard sell, but not only for the law department, for any department. Everyone praises multidisciplinarity. but then when you have to supervise someone who wants to do multidisciplinary research or publish it, no one would touch you with a six-foot pole.
1: Yeah, exactly. You're not
3: a good believer of one very clear theory or like that.
1: Thank you for remembering Elena happy. Uh she unfortunately is not here because she did have a problem with her agenda, but uh, she was invited and I really uh, am happy that you are remembering her, so we wish for sure that she was here. Thank you. Uh, Astrid, can you tell us a bit about your story, please?
4: I hope it it works. Yeah. Hi. Um, Yeah, I'm uh, Astrid from Germany. I'm uh, based close to Munich and I am a Trained lawyer and a trained designer, and it was so fascinating to listen to uh, uh, Colette and Stefania because the the two ways um, I just discovered from different angles, and we have a lot of similarities, but just from the other way around, super interesting. Um, I uh, my approach uh, for legal design at the moment is I consult law firms and legal departments as well as legal tech companies as an external project leader leader and designer and as well as a teacher in the context of the Buceri Center on the Legal Profession where I'm the specialist for legal design and my philosophy today is to train a skill set and enable people by experience the method legal design by doing and ideating themselves and my goal is it to um, go into a legal organization, whatever organization it is, for a time and then leave them after a time and leave a skill set there and I go uh, to another project. This is what uh, my approach on legal design is and my history or story too, um, is I was very disappointed in the beginning of my career as a lawyer, how um, we supposed to deliver content and uh, all services that we that we do only because it was the way we always did it so and that was often an answer or the let's say guideline from as i was an associate from the partner yeah you have to do it because we just did it always like that boy and i was just very disappointed because i know um by um, accident let's say Um, I was working in an advertising industry um, during my studies to earn money and I got um, in contact with another totally different um, industry before and I thought to myself there might be um, a connection between advertising and law to make it better but i then left um, uh, for a time this idea and spent uh, 10 years in the in- insurance industry um in the function of um director of marketing and communication and was very fascinated about the way how designers approach problems in that time and it was so fascinating that i studied design myself beside my day job and ever since tried to combine the Two professions on the beginning, more in a um, communication design style, let's say, before we even thought about design thinking and uh, the the yes the way we think legal design is uh, nowadays defined. Um, it was more the communication de- not the design part, but then I don't want to um, uh, um, say too much because we have so many topics to cover, but. Let it, let me put it like this. I was trying to convince people for a long time that there might be a very good connection between design and law. And all I got, or often I got, a very um, question marks in the eyes of people uh, saying, "Okay, uh, design and law. What, what has it to get? Uh, what are the connection? Where uh, where are the intersections?" Um, I can't think of it. And I was kind of an evangelist because I was so convinced that it might uh, trigger a solution. And I almost gave up, to be honest, to be this evangelist in my um, in, in my path. But then, kind of a eureka moment came. Uh, at least um, in 2017 in Helsinki when um, we met for the first legal design summit um, yeah, in, two, in, in 2017 only and I realized I'm not alone. I have many um, uh, people in the world that think in the same way about finding new solutions for the law and make it simpler, make it easier, make, make it accessible with the instrument that, for example, design delivers. And um, yeah, that is my way um, to uh, up to now, but now I will also leave Marie the possibility to um, tell her story.
5: Thank you, Marie. Yes you, you know what I I can't stop listening to you um this is this makes my day <laughs> really to all of you Colette Stefania Astrid this is awesome and I was taking notes uh as you as each of you were speaking because this is absolutely key I think for uh you know if if legal design uh, is a movement and a global one this is really key to share uh, your respective stories and it 's also very important for us to find the common points, so I was trying to find the common points, and I think i 've got a number of those so um, Colette um, talked uh, to to us about her frustration. Uh, faced with the verbal centric world and I can totally identify (laughs) with that frustration (laughs) which is why you know I um, I chose Hammurabi uh, named after the Hammurabi code which is actually an object and one of the most ancient um, legal codes in the world and it's not a document it's an object Uh, it's two meters high and uh, it was in the middle of Babylon for all of citizens to see um, and so definitely frustration um, is a great driver for innovation um, and then of course you know it was very rich but then Stefania talked about curiosity um, and this is also a, a great common point uh, for all legal designers and also um, you know that she, she talked to, to us about this multidisciplinarity approach which people find very hard to put in a box. Like, how is it called? And I think that, Colette, you had this problem as well. You know, your supervisor didn't want to call it legal design or something like that. It was way too venturous. And I think, you know, this has to do also with the fact that lawyers need to put tags on everything. It needs to have a name. It needs to be in a box. But nowadays, I mean, the world we live in, just breaks all these boxes i mean we see that every single day right so i think it's also a great learning shared by stefania that no matter how it's called you know today we would say service design or strategy design or design thinking but it really couldn't it doesn't matter um, and then astrid i really loved um you know when you talked about uh, empowering people. I think this is a very important keyword. We're here to give the users um, the keys to Understand and also to, to behave in accordance with uh, legal information. So empowerment is definitely key. And also the evangelist part, so the fact that you almost gave up and I can also identify myself. We all have, um, you know, moments of despair. And I remember Stefania, a couple of days or weeks ago, you posted a, a very a great visual about uh, the valley of despair. Uh, you know, what <laughs> the, the high and the lows during the projects. And I was like, okay, this is my life, definitely. But as Astrid pointed out, um, we found each other. Um, and and the legal design summit for that was absolutely instrumental. And uh, again, I, I I already thanked uh, Pilvi uh, uh, on LinkedIn today for for organizing the summit, as well as Auntie Nana and Johanna and and you know all these pioneers who in 2017 really made this happen. And I think that the encounters uh, that occurred during the legal design summit. Uh, really changed, uh, career path for many of us. Um, so that could have been perhaps the beginning of, um, of systemic impact. So anyway, you know, um, I I think this is great to see all these, all these common points. And this is where I, I come from as well. I was very frustrated as an in-house lawyer, uh, with the status quo. (laughs) <laughs> Why on earth do we have to stick to, uh, you know, old templates that predate a uh, digital revolution and that are obviously not fit for today's uh, challenges and and, uh, and today's world? Um, I'm a very curious person, so I couldn't help but exploring <laughs> and wondering um, how, uh, how I could make the law better i was really um completely focused on solving my internal clients problems uh, which were very numerous uh, and i was hugely inspired by margaret hagen um and and her legal design lab uh, so this is really what what triggered my journey along with the legal design summit that we just mentioned that's it for me Thank you
1: uh, randomly, whoever wants to uh, on a freestyle start, please. I won't be so properly in order now. So uh, I would like to understand what is your understanding for legal design? What's your definition or uh, the way you would like to explain to whoever is watching us and still doesn't have acquaintance to legal design? And why does this matter? What, why eventually describing legal design matters? Feel free, please.
3: I can go perhaps. <laughs> so uh, something that we uh, we've been doing with uh, Helena and a um, few other researchers over the past few weeks was to um work on the version number two of the legal design manifesto where we're trying to come up with some sort of uh, inclusive uh definition let's you know it is a little bit like like a parallax like looking backwards and forwards so trying to make a point of what has emerged and bubbled up in a very um in, instinctive almost <laughs> bottom-up ways and try to find some sort of definition to share it uh, to the many people who are I would almost say almost every day every week coming closer to this <laughs> to this uh, discipline and um, so w- w- we've been uh, keeping this manifest open for about one year to collect input from different from different people we got a lot of Comments. Now we are trying to streamline it and make it like very, very, uh, very, very simple. And I think that uh, what we are trying to to get to there, I, I think that there were a couple of lessons learned from this uh, from this exercise. I think that uh, something that personally I don't like is uh, trying to be normative, which is funny because we're talking about law. But uh, in many of the initiatives I'm in, I'm involved, I try to maybe not getting like best. Practices or labels, but more like trying to help people to think about in a certain way, giving people the tools to think about in a certain way. So, for example, the definition of legal design, I find it very funny. that uh, I am uh, I'm mostly working on contracts, so I'm I'm still quite close to my information design field, and it's funny because I I, I feel like I pick up fight all the time with people say like hey, legal design doesn't mean visualizing things, but legal design doesn't just mean designing contracts. It can be this, it can be that. So I, at, at least something that I'm very passionate about, about is not to put like too restrictive labels, but say uh, as in the field of design, like part legal for a moment, but look at design, you can have strategic design, you can have uh, information design, you can have uh, service design, product design, you can have many types of design. And I think uh, you can have uh, also the very abstract one, like systemic design, participatory, uh, co-design processes, policy design and so on. And I think that that same sort of richness, if we are trying to define a discipline that has design in it, it needs to bring all that spectrum inside. So I always feel kind of riled up or i, I do like a Angela Merkel r- roll uh, eye roll okay when I, when I like yeah, legal design is designing the contracts and like uh well maybe historically yeah there's many examples of that but it's more of a, it's part of a mindset and this is something that that we're trying now when we're working with the with the legal design manifesto we're trying to we had this sort of a feel rouge trying to organize all the input like okay what is the mindset of legal design and what's an approach of legal design and what is the goal so we're not saying it out loud anymore which is which of these things but at least we organize, we, we organize it in a in a structure say like okay what what is just really the, the entry level there so we've been um, I, I think that uh, it's a uh, to me, simple definition go a long way. To, to me, the, the most inspiring thing is to see people taking something and then running with it. Not rather trying to put labels on every single thing like, uh, you know,
4: um, butterfly collector. That is very beautiful, but it's uh, very devoid of life. <laughs> Yes, thank you. No labels and no
3: reductionism as well,
5: right? Yeah, well, maybe, <laughs> <That's>
2: like, <great. laughs> maybe like working
3: definitions or um, or tags or, or things that peak for imagination and uh, try to expand and try to welcome people because I think that at, at least that, that that's part of my experience in academia too. Uh, there's nothing worse to um, for people who have an enthusiasm and an interest in something and then being told like, you don't belong here. I think that um, it's something really ugly, and I wouldn't want our community that we are we can design because it's
4: very emergent uh, to end up that way. Go ahead, Astrid, please. Uh, no, I, I like this uh, broad approach uh, very much. Uh, in a way that you know it is inclusive, and nobody should be excluded. I guess that is. Um, absolutely from an academic point of view, the right way to go since we are in this, you know, self-developing or evolving situation, uh, it is helpful. On the other hand, in my experience um, working with lawyers, they love, uh, they, they love definitions and also they love something to um, yeah, be tangible. And um, I guess it, it's sometimes very helpful to put it in a way uh, in a kind of a definition um, that could be open, then also for involvement uh, still, but for me it is a um, in the first place it's it's an innovation method and it is is a it is a toolkit to tackle innovation in the law based on user needs. I guess um, that is a very small definition out of everything, but it also covers the main point that it is about innovation and it is about doing things differently and newly and for me it is also an instrument of changing the perspective for the whole legal ecosystem so which is really broad again um, and it covers topics in academia and how to teach legal skills but also in businesses and how to serve clients in a user-centric way it is about Simplification of workflows and content, legal content redesign or design, such as contract design, is one part. And for me, it is, uh, in my def- definition, it's a, a hybrid um, consisting out of law, often legal tech, because we are often in this tech environment and um, uh, design and business strategy. And for me, the main art of legal design is to Develop legally watertight solutions because this is the real job also of lawyers to serve uh, or to to um, yeah deliver legal watertight solutions and deploy design as you also said, um, Stefania in all its facets that is ha- that we know like all that that you named like organization design graphic design um, uh, service yeah. design and 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 deploy it in the field of law. So I guess that that makes it maybe. More tangible and to make it totally short is uh, legal design helps to make complexity simple and um this needs guidance and I see our legal designers as uh, as yeah we we help people to to um follow the right path and guide them through that yeah through that um adventure a little bit yeah
5: I completely agree with you, Astrid and, and Stefania as well. Uh, and it's again, it's it's really great uh, to, to be to be um, part of this uh, discussion about how this user centric legal innovation method can really empower um, and and generate uh, strong. Solutions with an impact. Um, if I may, I would just like to add something about your question, Carol. Why does it matter? Uh, and and why design and the law go so well together, in spite of all the uh, misconceptions and uh, <laughs> and a priori's? Um, basically, the law has been lacking usability for decades, if not centuries. Um, you know the, the the technical aspects have completely taken over, and and lawyers have for a long long time considered themselves as experts, um, a bit jealous of their knowledge and not willing to share that knowledge other than <laughs> in very expensive and very complex contracts or processes or documents. Uh, so the usability is a key um, a key gap. Uh, in most legal documents. The problem with the lack of usability is that the purpose of the law, if you look at it from a systemic perspective, the purpose of the law, um, well in our democracies at least, that's part of what enables human beings to live (laughs) one with the other. Um, So if we cannot use Uh, the law, which is precisely one of the pillars which enable, uh, uh, you know, mankind (laughs) to live uh, with one another, then of course we have a democratic problem and a strong one. Um, So the great strength of design um, in this particular area of law is to bring usability because design, no matter whether it's service design, UX design, strategy design, graphic design, the common point is that design is obsessed with users and usability. And that's why it's so uh, rich and dense to work with designers, uh, and I can't have, have enough of that. It's because they, they wouldn't create anything, whether it's an object or a document, before having fully identified users, having fully understood user journeys and um, Uh, Basically, they create documents or objects uh, with a view, uh, with this obsession of uh, these artifacts being used. And that's really why it matters so much in the legal industry. Thank you. Colette, please.
2: You're muted. Uh, Please unmute yourself for... Well, uh, that was uh, very interesting, and thank you for your contributions. Um, I will add uh, maybe a very scholarly understanding of uh, what uh, I understand uh, of the legal design. Uh, uh, first, uh, I'd like to say that uh, I draw on uh, the legal, dis- on design discourse mostly with my um, with my approach of how how I would circumscribe, of how I understand what legal design is. And as a scholar, I always, when I describe uh, an area or a concept, I may distinguish between what it is uh, and uh, what, uh, for instance, what legal design what's what purposes legal design has, that's not part of my definitions or what impact that legal design has or might have. So uh, in my uh, definition, I don't um, include purposes and impacts. What uh, I heard or what I observed, that was part of your descriptions. I hope I understood you correctly. So um, I want to I, 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 I'm finishing a paper on uh, entitled visual law and legal design, and there you will find um, how I will how I describe or how I define legal design and I uh, delimited against visual law and I can't now. Uh, it's impossible to give you a detailed answer. Now, I just say that um, I'd like to say just that um, um, regarding uh, legal design, it's even a fuzzy term in the design discourse. And uh, there you're really right, uh, Stefania. I would say that um, uh, a lot, uh, quite a lot of areas fall under, might fall under the term legal design, so um, practice and scholarship will have to determine the contours. The the, will have to say we 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 think that, uh, uh, for instance, uh, as most uh, we most most of us started with graphic or information legal or legal information design, but there is also legal service design. And uh, yes, yes or legal interaction design, legal software design, legal architectural design, legal product design and so forth. So um, it's not um, uh, it's these are just examples of possible areas that I would suggest. And we would have to describe what we understand, uh, at least in legal scholarship to be taken seriously by especially legal scholars uh, to to delimit these areas or sub areas of legal design. And there are the levels in uh, which uh, in or the context in which uh, uh, legal design is um, occurs, the micro level, the meso level and the macro level. The the micro level is when we as people, as, as persons alone do legal design, practice legal information design. The meso level is what I understand that more and more law firms or institutions adopt legal design. This is the meso level, I would say. And then there is the macro level if the states decide to adopt legal design in legislation, for instance. Or uh, uh, in that uh, government agencies adopt legal design, or even um, the judiciary. So these three branches, and uh, this is very challenging. And this I I, I find that very exciting an idea. So. That's it uh, for
1: the moment, yes. Thank you. Uh, Tomorrow we will have a judge from Brazil, a federal judge, sharing his legal design uh, work in a panel called Access to Justice and to Decision in Digital Reality. I hope all of you can make it to see a bit of it. Uh, Please, we have only 15 minutes, basically. Uh, I know, time flies when you're having fun. So what I am going to do is already open up for eventual participants that (coughs) want to come on board. We will be able to have up to four people giving very short uh, interactions with us, to a certain extent being very direct questions, please, so we can potentially have two rounds. Meanwhile, while people uh, gather their courage and boldness, if they are willing to give us the honor of being here with us, uh, I will ask, please, that all of you share some personal, professional victories and failures that you believe helped shape the professional you are, and that you believe that can be a learning to share with young lawyers or seasoned professionals, professionals that are willing to initiate in their practices legal design. While you are all doing around here, potentially we can go uh, uh, Colette, Stefania, please, Astrid, and
2: Mahi. I will be bringing people on board, please. So victories and uh, defeats, you mean. <laughs> um, you know, I, I can't really uh, think of uh, victory or victories on defeats in terms of legal design. I just um, think that uh, when I started, when I when i uh, started exploring that field uh, in 1992 i i felt uh, very strong personally i thought that's a, a a good path to go and it gave me a lot of self confidence and despite i i i have um, i had been I had been challenged so many times in my professional career but i i never lost uh, the belief or the trust or the self confidence in doing that and um so i i want to this is not in terms of victory or defeat but it's just um if you're persuaded um by what you are doing. I think that's uh, good. And I, what I, what I fear, that's a concern, is that um, legal design will be commercialized too much. And that, uh, so because of the commercialization that, uh, for instance, universities will say, oh we do not do that and uh, they delegate it will delegate it to the universities of applied Science and they will say oh that's something for designers we don't, and uh, we this is too emotional this is too fuzzy this is um, and that's why I I want to say my mission is uh, and I hope that um, Maybe it's not to I don't want to go towards victory, but my mission is to embed legal design in legal in the legal discourse, especially in academia. And um, even if I don't have my personal victories, I think my mission is to path the way, way for younger people and uh, perhaps still the wonder will uh, happen that I once uh, will be given the opportunity to teach it.
3: Fanya um, please. To me it feels uh, it feels like a victory to be able to do what I do every day on a personal level. And to see that we are having events like this or like the legal design summit or courses or pop up classes or people writing on their business card, legal designer or or things like that. Because, I mean, it's um, it it was interesting to see how it came out of the out of nowhere, really. I mean, there weren't really words to describe it. it. It was just. Completely emergent, <laughs> and yeah, um, how Colette said, that there's there's quite been a there's been quite a little bit of um, of fight back. I mean, not, not only in academia. Also, when you're, um, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm not worried about commercialization per se, because actually, I think that when. <laughs> i mean many universities in the end are uh, are more business savvy that, than they see if the if the market demands if the community demands certain sort of skills they're going to start teaching it too also the executive level <laughs> but um, so i i'm i'm actually not worried about that but i see it more as um as a pressure for universities like okay I, actually now we have this thing we have to do something about it at least in, in finland the whole Uh, education about entrepreneurship went exactly that way. Uh, The university didn't want to touch it. It was almost a bad word, being an entrepreneur. And then all the student-driven initiative became so big and excited the whole generation to do these sort of things. that then the university did the immense U-turn. Yes, we always always been very uh, supportive of entrepreneurship and they kind of had to own it because it was too and it touched people in their hearts and in their uh, enthusiasm muscle to do, to actually ignore it. Uh, I think that there is a, uh, yeah, well, the, 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 there are still some sort of losses. I, I think that uh, when there's no understanding of when these things are or... Uh, You know at least some uh, to me it felt like a defeat sometimes like having a spending I don't know months writing a paper and then sending it to I don't know Journal of Business Communication and being desk rejected because contracts are not business communication and I was like okay we're talking about business to business contract what else do you think they are (laughs) I mean I didn't know if crying or laughing in that moment Uh, so to me, like there are like this sort of like dark shadows or these sort of entrenchments in different like, no, this cannot be this, or that cannot be that, or that, that, that I still hope to, to see crumble more and more every day, but I, I think that there is a moment. To, to me, it feels quite positive and in general, a victory for this community and for people who are uh, interested in these topics. It seems easier and easier every day <laughs> to do what we do. Thank
1: you, Astrid, Marie, and uh, I'm trying to bring on board people who wanted to as well because we have final
4: minutes here, please. Um, I try to make well. it short then, and then we have maybe this open discussion. For me, the biggest victory is also, um, uh, as uh, Stefania said, for me, it is really the biggest victory to have created by, for myself. profession that combines everything i have to offer like analytical mindset with legal knowledge with logical mind uh, but also creativity and art interest for that designing building new solutions and being curious about new uh, new things and that is the, the biggest victory of my life to be honest so being here and doing the things that i do at the moment that is really good and the failure on the other hand was the time i was not aware of that to be honest, and uh, stick too long in a place where I did not belong, and um, coming back to a uh, short um, to collect, it is a, a, a maybe um, a fear worse that it is too much com- commercialization in the field of leagues And but on the other hand, it will also trigger the academia side, I guess, to have more support when the demand is getting higher, I guess. Um, So that is my hope. And now to Marie again. Thank you.
5: Astrid, I couldn't have said better. So you you said it all, and it's exactly how I feel. (laughs) So uh, I suggest we move on to questions. Thanks, Astrid.
1: Thank you. Anthony, welcome. Anthony was my student, my legal design student in uh, last year, July. I have the honor and privilege uh, of walking beside him. He also knows Colette already. Uh, Colette has been uh, so kind and generous as to send us uh, her book, her texts, and and support our study. So please, Anthony, uh, go ahead. Well, it's an honor uh, to
0: be part of joining you in this stage. Uh, I'm really privileged of being able to attend this event uh, right from home in Brazil, and I hope that uh, a vaccine comes and in the future you can be physically here, all of you. Uh, I'm I'm conducting a research focusing on applications of legal design to insurance. It will be an introductory paper on this subject, and I hope that it... Uh, it inspires other people to research because I think that the insurance sector can greatly benefit. Mm-hmm. The contracts are complicated. People do not understand. Uh, losses arise due to that, and it could change and impact the whole business chain. And uh, I'm really drawn in on your papers and researches uh, during the, this period of my research. And if you could... Uh, especially as three, as you have a long experience uh, within the insurance sector. How do you think that financial services and insurance could benefit from legal design uh, and other consumer relations? And what have you found uh, within your professional practice? Thank you.
1: So I'm going to keep this short, and I'm really terrible and sorry uh, about it. But it's like three minutes we have. Uh, People tend to say that I'm the Brazilian in the room. So yeah, I would love to just keep it long and no worries about punctuality. But please keep it short, so.
4: I answer? Yeah, okay. So um, uh, thank you for that question. So to really make it super short, I found the insurance industry way ahead, at least here in Germany, in my experience, uh, when it comes to simplification and contracts. We had, uh, for example, in, the, uh, in Germany, um, a company uh, so where I also worked. They uh, invented uh, already in 2009, I guess, or 2010, a whole other system how to approach um, uh, contracts and uh, their communication with clients. They installed, for example, a client, a special um, uh, client lawyer where you could have um, your questions marked uh, there and uh, have a a kind of a station where you could um, uh, ask your question as clients. And they totally changed the way of um, of the layout of contracts years ago, and on a, a, a European level, the insurance industry um, decided on a certain way of approaching contracts, for example, by um, uh, having at the beginning a kind of a, a, a term sheet uh, laid out uh, with a um, standardized iconography for example and also where the biggest risks or the uh, the content of the contract for example is laid out in a very short way and I thought that is very um, very innovative and it is going on for many years right now so that's why from my point of view the insurance industry is very much um, ahead uh, at least here in, in Europe, and uh, if you need more information about that, please contact me personally and I we can have a conversation about that. I don't want to cover it too much.
1: Yeah. Uh, Ping-pong Last words, Colette, Stefania, Astrid, Marie, I don't want to end this without your final words, so 2020 and whatever you want to share, please.
2: Me? Uh, first. Um, uh, well, I'd like to thank uh, all of you. Uh, if anyone has uh, further questions, uh, you can email me uh, or Car- Carol has my contact details. So uh, the conversation has, has begun. Uh, hello. Bye-bye.
3: Likewise. Thank you for organizing this. Thank you for uh, tuning in. Uh, let's keep on the conversation. You can find me on Twitter and LinkedIn if you want to connect. I hope we were able to inspire you <laughs> and make you bolder. There were some questions on how how you get uh, you, you how do you get to excite a community. So I I, I hope that uh, we gave uh, at least a drop in this one hour to to make you believe that you can do it. <laughs>
4: Mahi,
5: Astrid, all good. <laughs> sure. Well, th- thanks a lot, Carol and and Colette and Stefania and Astrid and and everyone. Um, I think you know well 2020 yeah uh, let's not comment on this here let's look at 2021 yeah. <laughs> and and um to be honest colette i wish there is more and more implementation of legal design projects in the commercial um area as you said because in my view it's the implementation of the, this academic research within the current reality that will feed and retrofeed academia, which will then make those projects even better and more, uh, you know, grounded on um, theoretical levels. And, you know, it's uh, for me, it's like a cycle. So I wouldn't oppose commercialization and academia. I think that research. Uh, is absolutely indispensable to feed those projects. And I look at 2021 with a ton of uh, very inspiring projects at quite a strategic level. And I really hope that I can go back to research, um, you know, to to feed this cycle, if I may.
2: <laughs> You're right to say so. Okay, Thank
4: then. you. I hope we can uh, hear Astrid because <laughs> I don't want to interrupt. <laughs> Just, uh, Thank you very much for the invitation. It was way too short. And just, it was also often a question of how do you get started? And I guess just to give some words at the end here, don't make it so complicated. Just start today. Start small, start simple. Try to simplify your content, workflows, and everything. You just have to think about it and get started. We sometimes don't need a lot of fury uh, behind just do it, and I guess that is uh, the main um, message I want to give for all the audience here is try and be, be curious and be brave. Thank you very
1: much. Thank you. I'm sorry it was so short. I do hope we can do this again with freestyle hours ahead of us. Keep safe. Keep sane.